It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. All right. Hey, I'm Jacob Suntra, managing editor of Fear the Fin, here with staff writer Marcus White. Uh, back after a short week off uh, here to talk about Sharks hockey. We're going to kind of start by wrapping up last week before kind of taking a look ahead for tonight's game against the Islanders, which is at 4 o'clock Pacific. It's on CSN Bay Area, not on NHL Network, I think. I'm, I'm 99% sure. I think we're only getting tortured with that once this road trip. Uh, so first week, uh, Marcus, what, uh, what have you learned about the Sharks? Well, I think uh, kind of what we expected a little bit. Their top two lines doing most of the offensive work so far. Uh, Brent Burns seems to be picking up right where he left off last last postseason, as is Logan Couture. Uh, I think the most encouraging side in terms of the new additions has to be how well Mikhail Bodker's played alongside uh, Couture and Donskoy. He seems to have fit in really well alongside those guys. Not to say that David Schlemko is not playing great as well he's he's looked good on the third pairing uh last night very sloppy from the sharks i think uncharacteristically sloppy those that those fourth and fifth goals were just the results of miscues you really haven't seen in a while from this team i mean justin braun completely lost jimmy vc at the side of the net on that uh what it ended up being the game-winning goal uh, but, you know, some encouraging side so far, for sure, from the Sharks, their first three games, they won't go undefeated. So uh, there's I guess that's one thing to panic about if you want to have something to panic about. But um, I think it's, it's been about what we expected so far to start the year. Yeah, uh, I've really liked how Bodker has played. And I think that honestly speaks more to how good Logan Couture is probably than uh, how good Mikhail Bodker is. I mean, I think we knew coming into it that he's got a lot of speed and a lot of talent in his but as a. Uh, Possession numbers have been just god-awful, which, you know, in fairness, is what happens when you play for the Arizona Coyotes, especially the past, you know, past couple of years. And then with the Avalanche also, it's not like he went from a bad possession team to a better possession team. They're both pretty terrible. So I kind of – I think my optimistic hope was that, like, okay, playing with Couture, maybe they'll be able to kind of hide his deficiencies while taking advantage of his, you know, uh, his ability. And I think they've been able to do that so far. The bottom six hasn't been quite as um, as shaky as I was worried it would be. I mean, they have certainly has not been spectacular by any means, but uh, it's been okay. I mean, what's your kind of assessment of you know how Chris Tierney and Tommy Wingles have played? Yeah, I think I think it's been a, a bit of a mixed bag. I think uh, Tierney had a pretty poor you know play last night. He had a turnover that led to a goal. Tried to get through two guys in his own zone, but. I think they've shown signs off offensively. They've shown good chemistry together. That third line, I think it's still way too early to have a definitive stance on how well uh, Tierney's played as the third line center. Um, fourth line, I think they've they've looked good. They've they've done what they wanted to do. Uh, you know, they they play well below the wall. The Edo speed really adds an element to that line that they might not have otherwise. With Wingles and Carlson, or two more physical players, but uh, I, I think they've been you know really all you can ask for from a third and fourth line to start the year, the third line score, I believe against Columbus. Uh, you'd like to, I think maybe start seeing them chip in a little more offensively uh, because, you know, like I said, so much of the scoring has come from the top two lines, but um, I think they've been, they've been okay to start the year. I don't think it's, I think it's probably too early to, 
you know, maybe call for a Kevin LeBanc or a Barclay Goudreau or a Nikolai Goldobin to come up and take one of those guys' spots. So, Yeah, it seems to me that, honestly, the biggest problem on the third line has been Patrick Marlowe, not, not yeah. Chris Tierney. Uh, Marlowe, it looks, I mean, just not good. He's just not very good anymore. I mean, he looks slow. His hands are not good. I mean, there were a couple go- chances last night that, I mean, you know, Patrick Marlowe two years ago scores 100 times out of 100, and he just... It's, it, you know, maybe still too early to be concerned about it, but also wasn't very good last year. Right. And it's kind of one of those things where, yeah, the third line hasn't been great, but not not because Chris Tierney hasn't played well. It's been it's been Marlowe that's played poorly, at least yeah, in he, my opinion. He's had, a, he's had a bit of a slow start. I think the – I agree about his hands. He's, he's you know, wobbling some passes and, and not receiving passes well. I think he, he was a bit of a slow starter last year too. Maybe that's just becoming the norm with him in his age. I mean, you talk about a chance last night. Nieto set him up with a great pass uh, from the half wall, and he right. shot it right into Kevin Hayes. You know, maybe at a younger age, Marlowe either scores that or he makes the pass across. to I think it was Joel Ward in front of the net. Um, but, you know, I, it's still three games. I think it's still too early to, you know, uh, have panic on Patrick Marlowe. Um, that salary is obviously not what they want it to be. And, you know, it's probably an overpayment for what he is now, but I, I, I think they, I've, I've liked what I've seen from him in some instances and in others. I haven't, I think he Tierney and Ward have the potential to mesh really well together. I thought they were excellent in the third period against Los Angeles last week. Mm. Uh, but you know, I, it's, it's been flashes so far, not enough consistent play from them. Yeah, I think it's possible, too, that that line just does a whole lot better when it's going up against slower teams. And I don't mean that to be like, yeah, I, most guys go do better against slower teams, but I think that particularly it plays to Marlowe's skill set, which is still his hockey yes. sense. I mean, it's not like he's gotten, you know, stupider uh, right. at 37. That's not true. So, yeah, I mean, I think when he has a little more time and space to work with, he can still do incredible things. But I think it's just the fact that the Rangers are such a, you know, uh, attacking the puck type team, yeah. a really aggressive team. It's harder for him to adjust to that, I think, than it would have been been previously, which is why I think you see guys like Nieto really excel last night because, you know, he's just very fast and it's a bit easier for him to kind of make that adjustment. That's the way he wants to play anyway, so he can kind of burn guys on their, uh, you know, over-exuberance, I guess you could say. Yeah, the Rangers' tempo last night really surprised me. Uh, I think maybe should have expected it with Girardi and Kevin Klein out of the lineup that they were going to play a more up-tempo game, but uh, that – that forward group is is very very fast. It reminded me of a lot of the problems that Pittsburgh gave uh, San Jose in the Stanley Cup final, which you know maybe a little worrisome that they they brought in a speed merchant like Mikel Bodker and they still can't deal well with uh, opposing team speed. I thought Bodker looked looked really strong last night. He fit perfectly in that kind of up tempo type of game too. But you know I, I think it's also a, just you know a an early season kind of a shock to the system. Cause you think about the teams they played in the preseason, nobody's going to confuse the Arizona coyotes with a fast team or the Anaheim ducks, or even the, you know, the young Vancouver Canucks. So I, I think that was probably more of a shock than anything. And I, I don't know if I'd attribute it to a, a roster flaw as much as, okay, this is really the first fast team we've played all season. Right. And obviously you can factor in the whole road trip thing too, especially yeah. with an older team. It's it's hard. It's just hard. I'm not comfortable saying, Oh, that's obviously what it is, but you know, there's so many little things I can factor into it that, yeah, I would have to see it. You know, I, I'll be curious to see how they play against Pittsburgh on Thursday. If yes. it's really bad again, then okay. Maybe it's at least time to take a deeper look and go back and be like, okay, so what exactly isn't working? So it wouldn't be a, 
panic time by any means, but at least worth a second second look. So tonight against the Islanders, Sharks playing their first back-to-back this season. Uh, in my opinion, at least coming into this road trip, I was thinking Islanders, this is the tougher, tougher of the two teams. Given how well the Rangers played last night, and even how well they played against uh, uh, St. Louis in a game that, uh, that they lost, which they really, I mean, Henrik Lundqvist played like, you know, garbage. Uh, so is this the tougher, the better New York team? I, going into the season, I think the Islanders were the better team than the Rangers, and I think on paper they are. But, you know, right now I think it might be hard to say because, you know, the Rangers, they do have a lot of turnover in their forward group, but that kind of core group remains the same, whereas the Islanders lost two really big pieces in Franz Nielsen and Kyle Ocposo this offseason, and they're, they're working in Andrew Ladd. They're working in Jason Chimera. Tavares was at the World Cup for most of training camp. Uh you know, I, I think this would probably be the easier test. And I think, you know, that's maybe why you see DeBoer giving the start to Aaron Dell tonight, as opposed to last night against the Rangers, because he too thought maybe because of those adjustments. Uh, I, I would I would have thought coming into the road trip that the Islanders would be the tougher test, but it's so early in the season that I think any of our notions of what's supposed to happen on paper uh, can pretty much be thrown out the window. I mean, the Oilers are 2-1 and one for, for Pete's sake, you know. Canucks are two and zero, first in the Pacific yeah. Division right now. Look out! So, uh, Aaron Dell is getting his first start, as you kind of alluded to a moment ago. Uh, what What is a reasonable expectation for what he needs to do in order, uh, you know, to to keep the job? Man, I think he he can't be as bad as Alex Stalock. I think. Oh, well, God, the, God willing. <laughs> that's the that is the bare minimum. Uh, you know, the, the the encouraging signs are there based on his AHL play. He's been good enough and faced enough shots in the AHL where you can reasonably assume that he'll be a decent uh, a decent NHL goaltender, at least. Uh, I, I think they need they don't need him to be like James Reimer last year, who was so good in the eight games he played, but I think they just need him to be a league average backup this season. If he can be league average uh, behind Jones, they won't need to look outside of the organization. They can give Jones enough rest because – Last year, Stalock was so bad that they couldn't afford to rest Jones. You had back-to-backs where you had to play Jones, and if you didn't play Jones in a game, I remember last year going into games thinking, oh, Stalock's starting tonight. The Sharks are probably going to lose, and they lost more often than not when he played last year. So I think he just needs to provide steady goaltending, um, you know, at a league average clip, like a 9.15 save percentage over the whole season. He's, he's drawn favorable comparisons to Jones, so I don't think the – the, the jump from playing in front of him to playing in front of Jones will be as large as it was playing in front of Alex Stalock in front of, and playing in front of Jones because those goalies were so, so different. But uh, I think that he just he just needs to come in. He just needs to play. He needs to be an average goalie, basically. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess what are other, some maybe some other concerns with the Islanders is that, uh, uh, I mean, obviously we've got guys like uh, Tavares. I mean, it seems kind of like this team, you know, when you actually go back and look at the roster, it's like, God, there's not really a whole lot of names that really jump out at you. Andrew Ladd, I think, is a guy that's quite good, and that's a guy that, you know, I, every team wanted their team to be on, I think, uh, unless unless you're an idiot, so I guess I'm an Oilers fan. Um, <laughs> is there, a, you know, any other guy on this roster that should be particularly concerning for the Sharks? I think, uh, you know, maybe some of their young players, like Matthew Barzal making mm. the team out of camp. Uh a team, the player Boston could have drafted last year, 
at the draft, but did not with their litany of first round picks. You got to, you got to take a third rounder in the first round. If you give that opportunity, you got to take it. Of course, you know, you gave up your third rounder for Zach Ronaldo. So you had to make up for it somehow. Uh, I am looking at Ryan Strom. I think he's a player that they're relying upon to have a big season in the absence of, uh, in the absence of Nielsen and, and, uh, so I think a big reason why they let him walk is because they're confident in Ryan Strom. But I agree, it's it's a team, you know, Mikhail Grabowski's out, so they're not as strong up front. There's still a good amount of depth, though. I think they're just a, a solid, deep team up front. Uh, Nikolai Kulemin's pretty good, and Cal Clutterbuck as well, even though he's, you know, mostly known for hits. He can still chip in offensively. Honestly, I think their their biggest strength, you could argue, is is on their blue line. I think they have a surprisingly strong blue line. Uh, Nick Letty, very quietly, I think, is one of the league's best offensive defensemen over the last few years. Uh, Johnny Boychuk's on the decline, but you know they still have Travis Hamanick, Calvin DeHaan, and now Dennis Seidenberg's drawing in. I think the the biggest thing you have to worry about if you're the Sharks tonight offensively, though, obviously uh, John Tavares's line. I think that's that's probably the key tonight to winning the game is if you can shut down his line, uh, then you can shut down the Islanders. We saw it in the postseason last year. Big reason why they advanced past Florida was because Tavares was so good by himself, and uh, you know you could argue that the Panthers even outplayed the Islanders in that series. Yeah, I think they absolutely did. And I think Tavares basically put the team on his back. I mean, watching that, yeah, it was uh, not not super convincing. Not great. Not a great sign for me if I'm an Islanders fan. Although I do, I think uh, tonight the you know that I know that Tavares line is, is big, obviously, but I, I if the t- the jumbo line plays the way it's supposed to, that can be kind of neutralized at least a little bit. The guys that uh, tend to concern me are guys like like Ryan Strom. You know these. Little speedy forwards or whatever that just skate circles around, you know, the giant monsters that the Sharks put out there night and yeah. night. And that's, to me, that's a concern. And I can't remember exactly where he's playing. If he's being matched up against the Couture line, then it's less concerning to me. If he's out there against the Tierney line, that's where I would start to be a little more like, oh, okay, this could be actually kind of a kind of a problem. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to depend on usage. We've talked about... Uh, you know right. how Pete DeBoer isn't a isn't a huge usage guy like his predecessor in uh, in Todd McClellan. He kind of just gives everybody even zone starts. But I think Jack Capuano is is going to rely on last change tonight to get the matchups that he wants. Um, it says that Strom is actually on the top line with Andrew Ladd and John Tavares, and that huh. Brock Nelson is centering that second line with Matthew Barzal, former first round pick, uh, centering the third. So. Uh, we'll see. This is according to Roto World. I'm just looking at their team depth charts. They seem to be pretty accurate. Uh, their Sharks one is dead on, so I'd imagine they're they're pretty up to speed there. Uh, you know, Brock Nelson versus Logan Couture, that's a matchup I like on paper for the Sharks. I think Couture's yeah, played really, really well this season. He, you know, I've seen no drop-off really from how well he played in the postseason. And, you know, it's only three games so far, but if he could even come close to sustaining what let the level of play he did in the postseason. We know how good this team is with him in the lineup compared to with him out of the lineup. But all of a sudden, you have arguably the best one-two punch in the National Hockey League down the middle if Couture can play up to that level. So it's it's nice to see him uh, continuing to play that well for the Sharks. We'll see if it can keep up going forward. 
Yeah, I think we're almost getting to a point where if this if this is who Logan Couture is now, that you know, he might be pretty underrated actually going going forward. I mean, if if this, I mean, it's possible. He, it's been long enough now, you know, given how long they played in the postseason, how he played when he came back from injury. I mean, if this is Logan Couture, he's legitimately like you know a top twenty five player, no problem. Uh, and that would be great news if the if they can get back to that place. You know, two, what two three years ago we could say. You know, the Sharks had the best third-line center in hockey because that's where Joe Pavelski was playing. It'd be really nice, again, to be able to say that they have at least a top-five second-line center. That would be yeah. uh, that would bode really well for what they need to do the rest of the year. Yeah, I agree. I mean, agree completely. I think uh, he's, he's, by all accounts, showing that he's taking that next step. And I think it also just bodes well not to think too far down the line. But, you know, if he can take that step and he's as good as he's been, then that makes losing Joe Thornton eventually a lot easier. And, yep. you know, maybe you can slide Joe to the second line center. If his game starts to age, you don't have to force Tomas Hurdle to play center uh, necessarily. So it's, I mean, he's a former top 10 pick. I think he's been so good for so long. I think he's absolutely underrated. Uh, you just worry that it's, it'll get into Jonathan Taves territory where he's been so underrated for so long that he's now overrated. But I don't think that'll happen with Logan. I would be perfectly happy for ever a Sharks player to manage to be overrated. That, <laughs> yeah. I feel like that would be pretty hard to do. It'd be difficult. Do you yeah, think but, we're there with Pavelski? Oh, well, if, 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 uh, if he were Canadian, yes, absolutely, we would be. But the fact that American media doesn't give two shits about American hockey, I think that makes it a lot tougher. Um, eh, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't think so. Yeah. But I don't think that there's, I mean, except for maybe his grandma, they're putting him in like, you know, a right. top 10 players com- you know, conversation. I don't right. think that's happening. Yeah, so. I, I, I agree with that. I mean, I, you see some ratings and you see – where people put, you know, the NHL Network does their top 50 players list. They have Pavelski ahead of Thornton. I don't know. Which is crazy. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if I buy that, but I think I agree with him being American and him playing in the West Coast. Like, it, you're not going to get a Jonathan Tame situation with him where there's not that constant media exposure. Well, even think about a guy like Anze Kopitar, who is a guy that is like Jonathan Taze and that he's been underrated so long that he should be overrated by now. Right. But he's not because he's, he's Slovenian and, and he's and he's yeah, he's still underrated. He's yeah. been underrated for like ten years. And <laughs> yeah. he, still I com- feel comfortable saying, Oh yeah, he's underrated for sure. And it's like, right, okay. Yeah. Then, even with two cups. Even yep. with two cups. It just it doesn't matter. Doesn't yeah. matter. West Coast, not Canadian, couldn't care less. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it, really the West Coast thing by itself will do that pretty much. I mean, I, I wouldn't say Joe Thornton's underrated, although he, he probably is. In fact, in, in terms of how good he still is now, I think people are like, yes. oh, yeah, he's one of the best of all time. That, that part, his legacy isn't underrated, but uh, the, how good, how important he is to the Sharks right now, I think last season in the playoffs especially, people kind of got a sense of like, oh, yeah, the Sharks really suck if he's not on the team. Yes, no, exactly. He's the guy they can least afford to have go down to injury, bar none. Yeah. Yep, and so thank, luckily for the Sharks, he's, I mean, Jesus, never been injured? I mean, I, he's I, really... I, the last time I think he missed a game was what? that He had that like almost concussion scare where he got hit in St. Louis a couple yeah, years ago and like right. missed a couple games, but then he came back like within three games. Like That's the last time I can remember him missing games. Right, because he even had that hit last year, right? The... Uh, it's not a concussion, but was absolutely a concussion, you know, where he came back. I don't even know if he missed a game for that. He might not have, which, you know, <sighs> right. That's worrisome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> that's fine. He's, he's fine. He's, he's a big, strong man. That's, that's fine. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, this, if you look at, you know, look ahead, you know, even just two years, this, my assumption is that Thornton signs a one-year contract and comes back next year and then it kind of does the auger thing until he's, you know, bored with us. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my, exactly. for me, I think, sent, right. I mean, I assume that's the plan. I would do, you know, Kachur, Pavelski, Hurdle as my top three centers and then build my lineup around that uh, and, and kind of see, see where you go from there. I mean, the, this team is also – that also depends partially on the development of Chris Tierney because if he gets better, I think he certainly has the, you know, could project to be a very good third-line center, no problem. So that might change things. But Of course. I don't know. That, that would be the way I would do it if I were to ballpark what I think the lineup's going to look like in, you know, two, three years. Yeah, I agree. All right. So game is at four o'clock. That's in a short one hour and 21 minutes on CSN Bay Area if you're in the Bay Area. On 95.7, the game, I believe, is where they're living on the radio. K-Fox. K-Fox. Oh, Jesus. Are they back? Are they, I thought they just moved from K-Fox. Weren't they on K-Fox last year? They're, they're, they're still on K-Fox as far as I'm aware. Oh, okay. Well, whatever. Who listens to the radio anyway? You can, you, can stream, you can stream it on the Sharks website. Just go there. And we just got some breaking news here. Uh, oh. Michael Haley will play tonight for the San Jose Sharks. Matt Nieto, Ryan Carpenter. Matt Nieto is out of the lineup. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. Maybe something to do with Haley playing a former team. He played for both the Rangers and the Islanders in his career. He's getting his first NHL game against, you know, a team he played against. I, I'm interested to see what happens here with that tonight because DeBoer talked about him as a player that you can play 8 to 12 minutes a night. He played more than 8 minutes, I think, like less. He played 19 or 16 games last year. He did it like less than five times, and he never played more than 12 minutes. He only twice played more than 10 minutes so I'm I'm interested to see if DeBoer puts his money where his mouth is, so to speak, tonight with Michael Haley. I don't think he will. Uh, I I would think that's a little dangerous given that it's the second night of a back-to-back and you're playing a good team. And if you're not going to use a guy a lot, you're just putting undue, uh, excuse me, putting undue pressure on some of your older legs on the team. And with a game against the reigning Stanley Cup champions coming up on Thursday, I I I I kind of question this decision. Uh, yeah, the only way that Michael Haley gets more than 12 minutes is if the Sharks are either up by eight goals or, or down by eight goals, pretty yeah. much would be the way that'll go. Um, I agree. Scratching Nieto is just so stupid. Oh, this coaching st- I mean, I really I feel like Matt Nieto actually is probably the most underrated player on the Sharks. I, I think that there's... It's a, it's a competition between those two. There's a fair case to be made. I think, you know, Nieto, he doesn't score a ton, but he just... he's. He drives possession well for his team, and he's you know creates chances to score. I thought it, last night he was one of the Sharks' more dangerous players. I thought he's played really well so far this season. Uh, you know, this just kind of reeks to me of not being in New York, obviously on the road trip. But this smells like a uh, we need to make a change. But I'm I'm disappointed not to see a you know a Ryan Carpenter in right. or a Michael Haley give a young kid a chance and and see if he's improved based on last season. Uh, I think it. You know, maybe I think Casey Sezikis might be playing for the Islanders tonight, and I know he's known to drop the gloves, so maybe that physicality component is why. But, but then you know, why I, is Tommy Wingles playing? 
He's yeah. not playing because he's good. Because spoiler yeah. alert, he's bad. So at least let him go hit somebody if that's yeah. if that's what he's gonna do. I mean, no, I agree. That's the. Guy Although I do think Wiggles has played well this season so far. In three I mean, games. still though, he's but he's a guy that can do both, right? He can play okay as a fourth liner, and then yeah. he can also, uh, well, whatever. He you know has the uh, has an attitude problem anyway. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's. It's just silly, and it's it is disappointing not to see Ryan Carpenter drawn to the lineup. I mean, I know we've talked about it, a guy, but like an you know, organizational guy that's you know given a lot to the team, whatever. It he's the guy who deserves to play, and uh, again, just it's like why are we even taking him on the road trip? Just let him play with the Barracuda. Then. No, exactly, and that's that's a big question. I think maybe they, you know, they figured that Gaudreau, Goldobin, and LeBanc would be better served by the minutes, but you know, I. Why even take him at all if you're not going to play him? You you already have one extra forward. Do you really need two? I, it's a little bit of a confusing decision tonight. You know, if, if the Sharks could win tonight, DeBoer loves to cite their record with Haley in the lineup. Even though they were 500 last year, they won exactly as many games that he played in as he as and lost. They were eight and eight in games in which he played. So I don't. And they were better than 500. You know, when he wasn't in the lineup. It's yeah, exactly. Voting. Exactly. No, I agree. I agree. So we'll we'll see what happens tonight. I think. I also don't think Peter DeBoer actually believes that. I think that's just you know bullshit. No, I, I no, think hockey he, coaches are are full of shit. There's almost I, nothing they say that is worth literally anything, which is fine. I mean, you know, I don't care, but that's that is what it is. Pashelka just tweeted that uh, DeBoer said, "quote We've got some extra guys, and we want to put some fresh legs in there." So, Michael Haley playing a fresh stone. Can stones be fresh? I don't think it works like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I think uh, maybe it's a case of a guy playing against his old NHL team, wanting to give him his first game of the year. But Man, what if, I would have rather seen Ryan Cotton. We're getting all sentimental all of a sudden. <laughs> wow. Well, hey, Mike Condon, former Hab, is starting in Montreal tonight on the second night of a back-to-back. So that I guess maybe that plays into more than we think. Yeah. Good Lord. Okay, whatever. Uh, so if you choose to watch this game, you know, at your own risk, especially because you have to deal with the stupid uh, Barclays Center uh, camera angle, which is just god-awful. Uh, that's uh, going to be at 4 o'clock. Allegedly, it's on the radio somewhere. Check your local listings. It's on CSN Bay Area. That part I know. I'm I think it's actually that. on California. CSN California. What? Who are they getting bumped by? Preseason basketball? They're always on, they're always on California. Oh, is that what it is? Okay, whatever. I haven't lived up there for a thousand years. <laughs> no, you're fine. CSN didn't even exist when I lived up there. Oh, yeah, exactly. I'm all about Fox Sports Pacific or whatever it was we were doing back then. Oh, yeah. Fox Sports Net, Bay Area TV. Yeah, TV. exactly. There we go. Back right. In the day. Yeah. Uh, I'm old. All right. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's call it. We're going to do this again next week. Uh, maybe the yep. same day, either Monday or Tuesday. One of those days for sure. Pro- Anyway, I'm not going to plan it right now, but one of those. Uh, you can uh, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes if you're tired of looking at our faces. Just search Fear the Fin on iTunes and subscribe. All right. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Fear the Fin and at Jake Sundstrom. You can follow Marcus at Marcus P. White, like the color. And we'll be back soon. Thanks, guys. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, 
even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.